This is Gridiron Graduates, a weekly podcast covering all things football. Episode number 41, Time for Revisions. Recorded May 5th, 2016. And welcome back, my good friends. Another episode of the Grid Grads hitting you back up. Ian Wharton, Bill Rossetti, post-NFL draft. Uh, man, it's hard to believe that one of our favorite times of the NFL calendar year has already come and gone. We build up for months, getting ready for the NFL draft, and then it just comes and goes like that. It's it's amazing how fast it goes. Ian Wharton, my brother, what's going on, man? Good to have you back as always. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So just kind of working through the fallout now of the NBA or NFL draft and uh, – course you got summer here coming up nba playoffs nba draft coming but you know it's really the best time of the year to kind of recap what happened and process and take everything in from the draft and um you know rosters are pretty much set at this point and uh you know of course there's some still vets out there on the market that are very intriguing as far as uh players who might be able to impact the roster still but um for the most part what you see on that final depth chart is going to be what we see at that training camp uh, 90-man roster. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, you mentioned, you quick blurred it out, the NBA. Uh, make a quick note of that. Your Cavs, uh, what a run they're on so far. Uh, like you said before we went on the air, they just hit another three <laughs> against Atlanta. <laughs> it's shaping up to be a potential, uh, could be LeBron versus Dwayne Wade. In the East Final, that would be quite quite an intriguing series there. I'd love to see it. <laughs> Obviously, there's no love lost between Heat fans and Cavs fans, so I'd uh, I'd love to see it. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like which jersey do uh, some of those fans wear? <laughs> Not that all Heat fans are bandwagon. I know no, there's legit no. fans up there, definitely, but let's. Let's be honest for a second. Some are, some just follow LeBron. But hey, that's that's the fun of it. Yep. But we all know Golden State is going to win it anyway. I mean, my goodness, the way they've been playing without Curry, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> I look forward to that West Final, though. I think uh, you know whoever comes out of that OKC San Antonio series, it's going to make that series of Golden State very fun and definitely uh, worth watching. Definitely, definitely. Uh, but yeah, so let's jump back into it. Um, by the way, shout out to my Phillies for actually playing well right now. They're actually above 500 as we record this on May 5th. And by the way, I'm the kiss of death, so probably when you listen to us next week, they'll probably be under 500. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so let's jump into it. Let's. Boy, what a weekend it was, man. Uh the NFL draft, it came and gone, and it was definitely an exciting three days, especially the first round. You know, everyone loves the primetime first round. So I think we'll start off this podcast by kind of going through the first round, talking about what happened, our thoughts, and, you know, some surprises. So start, of course, at the top, which was very melodramatic, because after the trades were made, we obviously knew who was going to go where for about a week or so. Jared Goff goes to the Rams. Carson Wentz goes to the Eagles. No surprises there. 
The real surprise started at number three. Now, not that Joey Bosa wasn't a candidate to be taken by the Chargers, but I think among the candidates that we thought would go to the Chargers, Bosa was probably toward the bottom of the list. You know, guys like DeForest Buckner, Ronnie Stanley, Jalen Ramsey, we thought those guys would be more likely to get selected by San Diego. But they go with Joey Bosa, which obviously it's not a bad pick. You know, Bosa's a great talent. And there's some people comparing him to J.J. Watt. And he's probably going to play a similar role to J.J. Watt in San Diego's 3-4. So it'll be really fun. And they needed the D-line help, too. So it'll be, it'll be fun to see how Bosa fits in there with San Diego. Yeah, it definitely was a surprise just because we really hadn't seen Bosa linked to the Chargers. They did a good job of hiding their interest. Um, or maybe it was just late interest. Maybe that's all it was. Of course, they didn't, they didn't really have much to hide at number three. I mean, they, like you said, they basically had the number one pick because, mm-hmm. you know, they knew who was going to go the first two picks and they didn't really care. Uh, it didn't affect them in any way with the quarterbacks going one, two. So, Ultimately, you know, I like this pick. It's a little bit different in terms of maybe where we thought they'd go. Uh, but it made a lot of sense. Joey Bosa is a heck of a football player. They've got a, a bunch of uh, good younger pass rushers now, and uh, they need it. Their secondary is very talented, and I think now with Bosa in the mix, you can maybe start to say, well, if this team can stay healthy, which has been a big issue for them, uh it almost randomly throughout the roster. It's just been kind of bizarre how that's worked out. Um, yeah, it's just random guys throughout the roster the last couple of years that have uh, been unable to stay on the field. But if, if Phil Rivers is upright, they're going to have a chance, even though that they struggled last year. I, I think this team could turn the corner and, and maybe be even a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not like this is a bad team. Right. I mean, injuries just derailed this team. Yeah. 2015, and that was really the whole reason they only won four games last season. If that, especially the offensive line, if that group can stay together, it's a decent all line. You know, Dunlap has really turned into a solid left tackle. You've got Fluker that you can still move up and down the line. There's there's still some talent on this team, and Rivers and he's got Ken Wisenhunt back as a as his offensive coordinator, and we know how improved Rivers was a couple seasons ago when Ken was his offensive coordinator. So now that those two are back together, you should see some improvement in what has become a pretty open AFC West. I mean, yeah, a lot of people are touting the Raiders, but, you know, it's not like they're the clear-cut favorites right now. Yeah, This division's up for grabs. Yeah. There's a lot of good teams in that division. I mean, there's three definite good teams, and then you have the Chargers who... Like I said, I, I, they could be a surprise team. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you, you know, you mentioned the Raiders, too. It's I, I, I like what they've done a lot. I'm a big fan of what they've done, but it's mm-hmm. also a lot of new pieces. And sometimes the pieces don't always work perfectly together, especially in the first year. And a little bit of unknown pressure, too, because it's been a long time since the Raiders have had the, these sort of expectations that we're starting to put on them. Yep, and it's a young team. A lot of these guys have not seen that type of expectation and pressure. We see that a lot. Maybe it's a year too early to crown them. Um, although, admittedly, it, like I said, it is a strong roster. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so let's move down the line in the draft. Uh, 
Then Dallas did pull the trigger on Ezekiel Elliott at number four, which let Jalen Ramsey fall to the Jags at five. And, uh, you know, I really thought Dallas had a shot to go with Ramsey. I pegged them in my final mock, but you can't argue them going Elliott. Elliott to Dallas, I think, was the perfect fit out of any of the top prospects because him behind that O-line is just downright scary. And I know a lot of people that listen out there love fantasy football. They're already pegging Elliott as mid-first-round pick. ESPN has actually already ranked him as their fourth running back overall. Yeah. That's saying something. They've Only three running backs are high. I believe it was Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell, and I think Todd Gurley. Yeah. I think are the only running backs that ESPN right now has ranked ahead of Ezekiel Elliott at running back. Yeah, and it's a, it's a situation where it's not just the offensive line. Um, he's just that good, in my opinion. Uh, if I in fantasy, I would take him with the top five, top seven pick without a doubt. Um, he's he's just an incredibly talented player. Landed in a great situation as well. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does. I think this was the right decision for the Cowboys. They've got a limited window to win, and he mm-hmm. fits that window. Um, I don't really. I've gotten rid of the draft idea of I'm going to take the player for the next 10 years. If you can get that, that's great. And you can mention that with certain players, uh, obviously health permitting. But I don't think that applies to many players. If you can get one great contract out of an individual, that's really what you're looking for. Teams are drafting for now. You know, Most coaching staffs don't have the ability to draft for three, four, five years down the line. They've got to right. see results now. Um, obviously later in the draft you get, that changes a little bit because it's just, you know, supply versus demand. But the first couple days, it's not like Madden where you're drafting a guy for one or two years down the road. You can take your time, develop him, um, you know, put him through camps and stuff in the game to get his progression higher. It doesn't work like that in real life, unfortunately. Um, so this made a lot of sense. He's going to make a big impact on them. Uh, Ramsey, I think, was the other guy that you could obviously make a strong ar- argument for. Uh, but I was actually kind of happy to see Ramsey go to the Jaguars at number five. I, I thought this was a really good fit, and it really worked out for the Jags. Um, they've had some tough luck last couple of years um, as far as some certain players falling to them and uh, kind of getting the, the bad end of the stick, especially with health and, and luck, really looking at Dante Fowler last year. So Ramsey, I think, is a home run pick for them. Yeah, I love the Ramsey pick, and you know we'll, we'll kind of mention it in a little bit when we kind of talk about teams in general. But I was really happy to see them land Miles Jack too. Yeah, you know, clearly to me, I mean, I don't really give grades right now because I think it's kind of silly to give a letter grade to a draft class that's only like five days old. Yeah, but if I'm ranking them, Jacksonville is. Near the top, if not the top, you know, just for you know, number one because of Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, who arguably, you know, on a lot of people's boards were one and two, or even one A, one B. You know, if that knee holds up, that's uh, a there's a lot of speed on the defense. Then you had Sheldon Day in the fourth, um, so they got talent there. I know there's people that like that Ngakwe kid that they got in the third, mm-hmm. so they got talent up and down the board. Uh, but yeah, Ramsey. 
to help with that secondary. You know, they went out and got Prince and Mukamar. And the fa- you mentioned teams, the teams draft to win now. Well, that's what Jacksonville's doing because they know that this is pretty much the end of the road. This is, you know, it, it's now or never for Gus Bradley. Yeah. If he doesn't get it done now, you're prob- he's probably not the head coach anymore after this season. You've got, we've seen the roster improve. We know the pieces are there. Now it's time for results. Now we've got to start winning some games. That's why they've gone all in. That's why they went and paid big bucks from Malik Jackson, Prince of Mukamara. You know, so th- this is a win now. This is, you know, our time is now. We're all in. And, you know, I, I look forward to it. I-, I hope for their sake they do well. Uh, run through the rest of the top ten. Baltimore at six goes with Ronnie Stanley. And we'll talk about a certain uh, gas mask in a little bit. And I know you were. It worked out very well for you, Ian, so we'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, DeForest Buckner goes seven to San Francisco. Then Tennessee trades up to number eight. I thought this was going to be Laramie Tunsil. But instead, it was Jack Conklin. Yeah. Now, I understand the pick. You know, they wanted to play right tackle, but... It was still odd for me. I mean, yeah, the Giants probably had interest, you know, so maybe if Tennessee sat at 15, maybe they weren't going to take Conklin, but I I don't know. That was a bit of a head-scratcher to me, the move up to number eight. Uh, And then the Bears traded up to number nine to get Leonard Floyd, swiping the Giants again, and then the Giants wound up going with Eli Apple at 10, another head-scratcher. So the top 10, at least the back half of the top 10, was really weird. Yeah, and I really wasn't a fan of some of the players that went this high. Um, Ronnie Stanley, to me, was a second-round player. Jack Conklin, to me, is a third- or fourth-round player. Uh, Leonard Floyd, same story, third- or fourth-round player. Eli Apple, probably like a... I know he was going to go round one no matter what. Um, I don't think he was going to fall much further. Um, NFL teams really like his size and speed, and and, and he's not a bad player. Um, But it was kind of a weird pick for them. Even though I think they had a great draft overall, that was kind of a weird way to start it out. Um, yeah. I really wasn't a fan. The only pick I liked from 6 to 10 was actually DeForest Buckner. Uh, the rest of the picks to me, I just don't think that those teams got overall that good of players. I mean, they have strengths and they can contribute in some certain ways, but I mean, they paid a heavy, heavy price to get mm-hmm. sort of mediocre players. And that's not the point of drafting in the top 10. The point of drafting in the top 10 is to get studs. And Baltimore's pretty much already come out and said, you know, maybe not directly, but if the whole video hadn't come out, they were going to take Laramie Tunsil. Yeah. And and that's it, really, it's kind of a shocking admission. Yeah. Um, quite frankly, and the Dolphins kind of talked about this after the draft, you know, Jimmy Sexton's a really good agent. He's a well-known agent. He represents many of the top players in the NFL. That's what you have an agent for that you work with if you trust mm-hmm. them. And Mike Tannenbaum, the Dolphins um, executive vice president, kind of talked about. And that's also the agent for Indominus Sue and Adam Gase. And so, you know, they're very familiar with him. And every team should be very familiar with Jimmy Sexton. Um, but Sexton talked about how Tunsil's a really good kid. Tannenbaum talked about how they knew about the video months ago. 
I mean, it, this is an, a, vi- a years old video. Um, mm-hmm. If if this video really deterred you from taking the best overall player in this draft and the best overall player in the last three draft classes, then that tells me that you didn't do your homework, or that you just maybe have an overly sensitive you know situation. Um, I don't really care that the kid smoked pot a couple years ago. Breaking news, most NFL players do. Like, probably a, a majority. Uh, once you're tested once for the year, you can just smoke away. That's how, <laughs> that's how it works in the NFL. You get tested once. As long as you're not in the drug program, they don't test again. So guys that were tested on 420, guess what? They can blaze up the rest of the year. <laughs> so it's it's really dumb to me that and and I don't know if it's fair or not and you can talk about morals you can talk about whatever yes it's against NFL rules and that's what matters but it's a couple years ago we don't know if he if he continues to do it he's been very honest throughout the entire draft process and unlike Todd Mcshay who says that that's a sign of immaturity I actually really respect that I mean that's a baffling take from Todd Mcshay to say that telling the truth is an immature action i mean that's that's crazy to me um Mm -hmm. i'd much rather have someone that owns it recognizes it was a mistake um i now what i worry about is why is there someone that dislikes laramie tunzel that much that he would do such horrible you know really such a uh, an incriminating thing before and after he was picked because then they released the, the messages on instagram about um being paid by coaches i mean Again, he owned up to it um, when asked about it, but it's like, man, that's a pathetic life form. Whoever's out there holding that above this kid's head, I mean, I just I think that was really sad, really, regardless who he went to. But, but yeah, especially relating back to the the Ravens, just kind of a, a, a weird explanation. Um, I, I just I I just I struggle with. I mean, of all the things that you're gonna put up with with high-level talent, I mean, his baggage is really not that much. It was just kind of amplified on the stage of the draft because someone released that video. Mm-hmm. And now the unfortunate thing is he's now already going to be under the watchful eye of the NFL. You know, he, he's not in any trouble or anything, but the NFL has already said they're going to keep an eye on him. So Yeah, and then that's a little bit of lip service. I mean, there's nothing they can do. He's not in a drug program. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's it's just a big bag at NFL, you know, trying to, you know, I, I don't know. The NFL is just really weird with discipline, but they can't do anything to him unless if he tests positively um, right. for a drug. So he's fine. He's fine. Yeah. And, and a lot of these teams just love to overreact to things, too. It is. They punish. Comes to it. They, yeah, and they punish kids really for for strange things at times. They'll take Frank Clark in the second round last year after domestic abuse. Um Domestic violence, I should say, but then they they you know they won't draft a kid because you know they didn't like his his personality or something. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's very mm-hmm. odd how they punish people for for certain instances. And the and that I'm sorry. No, 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 you're good. Yeah, and that brings up an, an interesting point. Like before we get back into talking about the picks, I want to bring up another kid that when I saw he was picked, Twitter exploded. And that was Tyler Higby in the fourth round. Yeah, I know you, for one, was like, "How the hell did this kid not only get drafted but get drafted in the fourth round?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and some of it's he said, she said. 
Um, sounds like he may even get off on the charges, but, you know, I just, this was someone that was reportedly said, you know, again, this may have been unconfirmed, but, um, John Ledyard actually, a uh, friend of the show, had said that he had talked to people that were actually at the bar the night of the incidents confirming that he used some pretty nasty racial slurs against Muslim Americans. And, um, you know, I just, I don't, I don't tolerate anything like that. You know, I, I think that stuff's pretty disgusting. Um, and for him to go in the fourth round to Los Angeles, and if he really feels that way about people of, of that faith, um, you know, I, I just, I, that was shocking to me. Um, let alone that the guy, yeah, he, the, the stranger may have been drunk and he may have been bothering his girlfriend. Well, there's still a better way to handle that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can handle that like a man and, and not resort to violence. Um, especially when you're 6'4", 240 pounds, you need to show some restraint and not knock somebody out with a punch. Like, unless if you're physically in danger, you need to handle yourself a little bit better or just don't be out two weeks before the draft. Right. I mean, yeah, like that's a judgment thing. Uh, But, you know, this is Jeff Fisher. This is Jeff Fisher's M.O. He takes shitty characters. You know, he takes people that, you know, that do these type of things off the field. And, um, you know, it's more of the same from Jeff Jeff Fisher. So I just I was really disappointed. Uh, I was really disappointed with the NFL. Um, Again, regardless of whether he gets off the charge or not, um, the whole incident just reeks of poor character to me. Um, and I was just surprised that someone would invest a fourth round pick, especially when they didn't have another pick in between Jared Goff and Tyler Higby. Right. That was, that was just stunning to me. So I, overall, again, I did like their draft. Um, Tyler Higby's a heck of a talent, but I just, I just couldn't believe that they took him. Uh, so let's get back into the first year and we'll talk about picks 11 through 15. So Tampa, they drop back to 11 and they still get their guy in Vernon Hargreaves. New Orleans at 12 takes Sheldon Rankins, the D-tackle from Louisville. And then the steal of the first round and possibly the steal of the draft, Miami gets Laramie Tunsil at 13. Then we talked about Oakland before. They added Carl Joseph, the safety out of West Virginia. And then Cleveland, after dropping back to 15, the first of their bajillion trade downs during the three-day event, they take the first receiver off the board, and it's Corey Coleman out of Baylor. <clears throat> Got to start with the Tunsil pick because, like I said, just the value that they end up getting for him at 13 for arguably the best player in this class, you know, again, People's boards are going to be different. Some people say Tunsil's the best. Some are going to say Ramsey. Some are going to say Jack. Tunsil, without a doubt, was a great talent. And to get him at 13, you know, and you'll you probably think this too. Brandon Albert probably doesn't have too many years left. So at least now there's a contingency plan at left tackle. You know, you have Jawan James, which is kind of meh, or Dallas Thomas, or whoever you have at left or at the right tackle. But to get a player of Tunsil's talent this late in the draft. I mean, obviously it's not late, but in terms of talent and position, you know, an arguably top three player at 13 is like, you know, it's Christmas in April. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I was, I was stunned. Um, never would I think that he'd be available at that point in draft. Um, home run pick. Now, what they're going to do with him, apparently, is they're planning on using him at left guard, which I think is, is really silly. Um, now, he fits into a, a zone blocking scheme, and, you know, he can be probably effective as a left guard there. I just, it's stunning to me why you would move him to left guard when he is so clearly the left tackle of the future, why you would move him for one year there where that's not his greatest strength. His strength is more athleticism and um, the ability to uh, protect the edge and also to use his length and great technique and pass protection. He's not really an, uh, an impactful run defender. He's not a poor run defender, but he's also not a mauler. Um, that latches on really well. That's just not his game. So why you would move him into guard is really strange to me. Um, Brandon Albert was a guard in college. He was an all-pro. He, he was an all-American guard. Um, obviously, he's been a great tackle as well. But 2016 is probably his final season in Miami with his salary and the injuries that he's had. Um, he can't stay healthy for an entire year. And so... Keeping him at tackle is just going to open him up to more injuries. Um, and he's got the history at guard. I think you just move him inside to guard, protect him, get Tunsil out at left tackle, start that process, and he may be your left tackle for 10 years. He's the, probably one of the only few guys I would talk about for the next decade in this draft and where I feel comfortable saying that he's that good where we can plan on him being on the field for the next 10 years for my team. So... Um, I love the pick because, again, long-term, you're taking care of a huge need. But I am a little bit questionable as far as usage, but it's just kind of fitting for the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins have made a lot of decisions like this in past years. So I'm hopeful that they will let this play out on the field in training camp, kind of like general manager Chris Greer had talked about, that the coaches will figure it out later. Um, but I am glad that they decided to take the best talent available because it is a long-term need for that left tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as far as like some of the other picks in that range, uh, you know, I like the Carl Joseph fit in Oakland too. They really are starting to build up that uh, secondary. You, know, you brought in Sean Smith in free agency, you signed Reggie Nelson. Now you've got Carl Joseph, one of the top safeties. So this is another team that feels like they're going all in, especially on that defense because they really tried to. Beef up that defense. You know, they also took uh, Jihad Ward, the D tackle out of Illinois, in round two. So, really will be interesting to see what plays out there. Cleveland kind of goes with the Baylor connection uh, between Robert Griffin now and Corey Coleman. So, uh, <clears throat> adding, at least adding some talent to uh, the Brown, to that offense and their analytics. I think it's almost it's almost like you have to say the Browns and their analytics, otherwise you're not being like official enough anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting draft for them, um, especially in terms of that narrative of and analytics. Because you're right, media loves to say the Browns and their analytics, mm-hmm. when in reality is what it played out is that they found that there may be undervalued players who produce at a high level in college. Uh, which is really interesting because these are just basic stats. Yeah, these are just go to google.com, 
search Corey, Corey Coleman stats and you're bringing up the first stats page that you find, these are analytics. And that's the thing about analytics. People get freaked out about them. All it is is just making more informed decisions. That's it. Using numbers to find out what are people missing on? Where's the market inefficiency? What are people undervaluing compared to what actually works in the NFL? Um, so they had a really interesting draft from that standpoint because obviously I think people expected them to take maybe like people from, I don't know, D3 schools over top D1 talent because, yeah. oh, because, you know, the analytics say so. No, the analytics just proved that they wanted productive players. And uh, now there's, there's obviously negatives to that, especially some of the players they took, I think, are limited as athletes. And um, you know, we can get into that a little bit more when we touch on the teams. But um, really interesting draft haul for them. But I, I did like this pick with Corey Coleman. I think that was a great way to start off their draft. 16 through 20 went Taylor Decker to Detroit, Keanu Neal to Atlanta, Ryan Kelly the center from Alabama to the Colts. The Bills take Shaq Lawson, the Clemson D end at 19, and the Jets go with Darren Lee, the Ohio State linebacker. Here was where I found another one of my surprises in round one because I was a little surprised at the Keanu Neal pick to the Falcons, only because I didn't expect... And again, a lot of this is media-driven, but... Keanu Neal, to me, was a little bit of a surprise at 17. You know, there, there was a bit of a need at safety, but I thought maybe they'd go pass rush in round one, especially with a guy like Darren Lee there. But nonetheless, Keanu Neal fits in there, and the Falcons have certainly moved quickly. You know, it was actually, at the time of recording this, it was just a little bit ago that Adam Schefter tweeting that the Falcons have already signed their entire draft class, which is pretty amazing. But with the new CBA, well, we can't really say new CBA. We're six years into it. But the CBA has definitely made it a lot easier for teams to sign their picks. So, you know, I've already got one first round pick locked and loaded. Uh, as far as the other picks, I thought uh, I like the Decker fit in Detroit. I think you could plug him in at right tackle. You know, if you decide to keep Reef at left tackle and then, you know, maybe down the line you groom Decker into the left. You never know. Colts, they badly needed online help, so Kelly and the buzz toward the draft was starting to point in that direction. Bills, you get the you get the added pass rushing Lawson and then Darren Lee. You know, we've talked about them before, kind of that rangy linebacker that it seems like the NFL is kind of looking for now in linebackers. So uh, I'll be curious to see his fit with Todd Bowles and that Jets defense. Yeah, some solid picks in here. I, I thought that Keanu Neal pick, he may have been the first, the worst player taken in the first round. Um, either him or Jack Conklin for me were probably the two worst <laughs> players taken. Um, but he'll fit what they want to do. And as long as they have Dan Quinn as defensive mind there, obviously as head coach, that's <laughs> what kind of matters. Um, now, if they ever change defenses, that's going to be an issue. He's very one-dimensional, uh, but I think he'll be able to use him in a Cam Chancellor-type role near the line of scrimmage. Um, I am surprised that they passed him, passed on Darren Lee and Shaq Lawson. I just think those were two much better players who played positions at a similar need. So that was kind of a head-scratching decision. But I really like the Kelly 
pick to the Colts, and I, I like Lawson and Lee to the Bills and Jets, respectively. And uh, I think I got this from one of the articles you wrote after round one, and that's in talking about the Falcons, Keanu Neal and their second-round pick, Deion Jones, don't exactly complement each other well. Yeah. And you thought they were, like, pretty interesting picks for the Falcons. So it sounds like that'll be something to watch as far as how those two kind of work together on the field, if they're on the field together, or, you know, how Quinn kind of wants to mix and match there. Yeah, they're just kind of a weird fit because Neal's really bad in coverage. He's almost just like a weak side linebacker. And that's Deion Jones, but and Deion Jones isn't really a good tackler. He's very light for the position. So they're almost like two strong safety slash weak side linebacker crossovers. Um, if you could combine them into one player, I think you'd have a heck of a player. <laughs> but like two two players with such me- major negatives, it's gonna be really difficult to hide on passing downs. Um, I I just thought that was strange why they would pick such similar players. You could have taken Darren Lee, who's better in coverage than Jones, and then you could have taken a lesser safety uh, with more coverage range. Uh, and that makes your defense a little bit more like Seattle, what he had in Seattle, where you can do a lot of unique things and be less scheme-dependent. Uh, but now they're more scheme-dependent because they've got to figure out a way how to hide those two in certain plays. So that was the uh, non-playoff teams. We'll now get into the playoff teams. We'll go 21 through 25, and this, of course, is where the wide receiver run began. As three straight receivers went off the board. Houston moved up one spot. They flip-flopped with Washington to get Will Fuller out of Notre Dame. So a little surprising to see Fuller as the second receiver off the board after Coleman. Then Washington dropped down to 22. And really, Houston didn't even give up that much. I mean, you know, sixth rounder in 2017 and... You know, how, how much value do you really give a future draft pick, especially one that late? It, it can't be much. It's almost like next to nothing. Yeah. You know, for Houston to move up one spot. But at least Washington gains something, and they get Josh Dotson, who uh, obviously is a favorite of us here on GG. You know, so I, that's a nice playmaker for Kirk Cousins to throw to the question now will they keep all three receivers? Or is one of Garcon or Deshaun Jackson gone? A lot of people are saying maybe Pierre Garcon's on his way out. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch as we get into camp. But right now, if you keep all three, it's not bad. And uh, Laquan Treadwell, who a lot of people thought was the best receiver, ends up the fourth receiver off the board. He goes to Minnesota. So uh, congrats, Teddy Bridgewater. William Jackson, one of your favorite corners. Goes 24th to the Bengals. And then a bit of a surprise pick. Artie Burns, the corner out of Miami, 25 to the Steelers. Yeah, a lot of interesting picks here, like you mentioned. I think the receiver run was fascinating. We had heard that Will Fuller would go early, and he did. Um, you know, I, I'm really... The Daxon pick to the Redskins, I like that a lot, and I talked about this in an article a couple months ago. And Scott McLuhan, and Redskins fans didn't like to hear this, but Scott McLuhan obviously completely agrees, as we saw Jordan Reed get a huge extension today, too. 
Um, you've got to make huge investments around a quarterback like Kirk Cousins. He's too limited to not give him elite weapons. He has to have phenomenal weapons around him to be effective. And that's what they're doing. And that's okay. As long as you understand that that's the limitation and that's the sacrifice you've got to make with that type of quarterback, um, you know, it's doable. I think they probably keep these veteran receivers. Uh, again, you might as well. You've got the money. Um, now, obviously, cutting Garcon would be nice. I think they'd save anywhere between six and eight million dollars. So that'd be <laughs> that'd be fantastic. But on the same breath, you're trying to get back to the playoffs, and cutting him does not help that goal. So it's a fine line there. You've got the money um, by cutting Chris Culliver. That makes that possible. And so I, I think that we probably let, make we probably see them carry a loaded wide receiver room. I think Andre Roberts maybe could be the more likely vet receiver to be cut. Uh, what do you think about the Artie Burns pick to Pittsburgh? Because that, to me, that felt like a mix of a reach and maybe a panic move after the Bengals had taken Jackson, or or was there maybe a little bit of interest there in Burns to begin with? There was probably some. I think there's definitely interest interest in him in that range. Um, it just wasn't a good cornerback class, and. That kind of makes teams become trigger happy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Steelers, they, they need the talent in the secondary. They seem to be changing what they want to do in that secondary, despite drafting a couple guys last year in the middle rounds. Um, they're seemingly already changing what they want to do. So, you know, they, they needed someone back there to start working on and start developing a little bit. So it, it made sense from that aspect. I don't think the talent was worth the pick, and that's always a concern. But, um, you know, it made sense, though, as far as what the team needs and kind of where they're headed as a, in a direction defensively. And, and in terms of identity, they, they kind of needed to take someone in that secondary. So it made sense. And then wrapping up the first round, the last six picks, Denver trades up from 31 to 26 to take Paxton Lynch. So there's your quarterback. There's your new quarterback, Broncos fans. Now I think Mark Sanchez is going to start come week one. Which hey, what a, what a bang for the NFL to start their season. Nothing like Cam Newton versus Mark Sanchez. <laughs> yeah, that'll get people raring to go. Butt fumble, yay! <laughs> yeah, I think we see Paxton Lynch win that job pretty easily. Um, even in a simplified offense, he's just simply more talented. And a uh, ton of natural talent in his body, 6'7", 245 pounds. I really like Paxton Lynch. He was my number two quarterback in the class. Um, he needs work. He needs time. Uh, but that, there's no better situation than Denver to give it to him because they're going to put elite weapons around him. Uh, I, I, and obviously the defense is going to make it so that their pressure is to a minimum on the offense. So... This is a really nice move for them. Uh, there was talk that Dallas was trying to trade up as well. Couldn't get the deal done for Denver. This is just, I, I like this move a lot. Lynch is a risk, but, you know, every quarterback is. And, and he's at least got natural talent oozing through his veins. Mm-hmm. So Lynch goes to Denver, 26. Kenny Clark, defensive tackle at UCLA, goes 27 to the Packers. The 49ers trade back into round one making a move with the Chiefs to take 
Joshua Garnett, the guard out of Stanford at 28. Cardinals taking a risk on Robert Kemdiche at 20, 29th overall. A classic win-now type move for the Cardinals. Again, they know their window is small. You know, how close they were to the Super Bowl and how badly they got blown out. So uh, they're hoping Kim DJ can come in and help them get over that hump and maybe lead, help lead them to a Super Bowl. We'll see. Vernon Butler, the D-tackle from Louisiana Tech, goes to the Panthers at 30. Does that mean uh, Kawan Short could be on his way out after this season? We'll see. And then Seattle at 31 makes it four years in a row. That a Texas A&M offensive tackle gets taken in round one as they go with Jermaine Effetti to uh, close out round one. Yeah, I mean, some of these, um, I feel like, were so obvious that they were going to happen. Um, at least in terms of, like, the position, and specifically mm-hmm. Kenny Clark to the Packers. Um, when the Fed in Seattle for me. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's definitely one that I had predicted. Um, I wish they would keep him at right tackle instead of guard. Um, I think he's more of a, I think he's got such upside at tackle that you try to make it work at tackle before moving him to guard. Um, so I'm a little bit disappointed in that, but those two really made a lot of sense to me. Josh Garnett made a lot of sense to me with the 49ers. They had a ton of picks. You might as well trade up and use some of those picks. Get the guy that you really want. Uh, to help you win right away. And, um, you know, Vernon Butler to the Panthers was really interesting. I mean, obviously I love Robert Kendiche. I'm not going to pass over him. I think he's a top-five talent in this class um, overall. So that was a heck of a pick by them. They're going to maximize him. But Vernon Butler is the interesting one, like you mentioned. Who is going to be the guy that he replaces? That's what that pick tells me. He can be in a rotation this year, but you don't make that pick without thinking long-term, he's going to earn a starting job. And we know the Panthers have already picked up the fifth-year option on Star Lutulele, so they've got it that extra year. So, that's what I'm saying. Chances are it could be... It's definitely one of them. It's it's definitely going to be one of Short or yeah, Star. Yeah, because the thing is, is that Short's going to probably get $100 million, or at least and close to. And he's a free agent after this season. Yeah, so now they can cut Lutulele, or they can trade him, but I think he's going to probably get upwards of sixty to eighty million dollars as well. So you can't carry both. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't have two guys making fifteen, twenty million dollars a year at the, at the same position. That's just it's too much money. So um, this just made too much sense as far as after twenty sixteen, you're probably picking one of those guys and then right. trading the other, or just letting the other walk. And with that, that wrapped up the first round. We'll kind of go through and talk about some of the picks. Um, I do, I do want to get your thought because we talked about the Dolphins and how you were so happy that they took Larry Tunsil, and it felt like, you know, based on some of your tweets, as happy as you were, they took that they took Tunsil. That happiness kind of subsided when they took Xavier Howard. Or, or are you okay with the Howard pick? I'm okay with the talent. I just, you know, it's hard for me as someone. <laughs> You know, I'm more of an analyst than, than like a journalist or anything like that. Um, I don't report things too often. Um, you know, I, I try, I have to look at things in a more process type way, more of the business type manner. And that's where Miami failed. 
uh, this draft is they took a couple of sub-package offensive players such as Kenyon Drake and then Jakeem Grant. Um, there's not really a niche in that for that in the NFL. You know, Philadelphia really has the, the premier version. They've got Darren Sproles, but how many Darren Sproles are there in the NFL? There's not really many, if any, other that really work like him. Um, it's very difficult to manufacture touches for players like Drake and, and Grant because they're not effective without almost like a gimmick um, or scheming it open for them. So that's my concern with that. And they devoted two picks to players like that. And, and Drake came at a heavy cost in the third round. Uh, there was one running back picked between the 73rd overall pick and the 149th overall pick. Those two picks, that's, that's Kenyon Drake at 73, CJ Procise, I think at 89, and then, uh, Kenneth Dixon at 149. So that's a huge range. That's a team to me that says they didn't properly gauge where the running back run was going to start. Um, they did the same thing with Xavier Howard, who's a nice player, but they traded a fourth-round pick to move up five spots for him. That's unbelievable. That's horrible value. Um, and, they, again, they mistimed the run. They, they misjudged it. It was 20 more picks before another cornerback was selected after Howard. So it's a team, you know, and then they did it again with Leonte Carew. They traded way too many assets for him, although I like him a lot. I think he's going to be maybe even a starter by the end of the season. Um, they traded a third four, and a fourth-round pick next year and a sixth-round pick for him. Um, they essentially gave up the comp picks for Olivier Vernon and Lamar Miller that they were going to receive next year for Leonte Carew. Uh, that's just crazy to me for a player who doesn't have elite upside. So just that's what my concern was with this draft is I felt like they just gave up way too much value to try to win right now, and that's a dangerous method in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, just going through some of the round two picks and certainly some of the surprises, Jalen Smith at 34, really surprising that the Cowboys pulled the trigger on him this early, but we all know he's a top-five talent if he's healthy. We hope he's healthy. Hopefully that knee comes around, and if it does, that'll be that'll be really fun to watch him in Dallas. Um, we talked about Miles Jack. Jags trade up to get him. Really like that landing spot for him because we knew the Jags had been interested in Jack for quite some time. So for them to get him and Ramsey, that's going to be a fun defense to watch. Uh, Tampa gets Noah Spence in round two. I thought that was a good pick. They needed some pass rush help. Giants getting Sterling Shepard. The Bills trading up for Reggie Ragland. Uh, and then the big shock for me was that, well, before I get that, you know, I want to talk about my guy, Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, I was glad to see his run fall, or his fall end at 54 to the Vikings, which is a nice landing spot. We'll get a chance now to work with Mike Zimmer. And then the big shock for me, Christian Hackenberg, 51st overall to the New York Jets. <laughs> if you're going to take a quarterback, why not just take Paxton Lynch who was sitting there right for you at number 20? But nope, they go with Hackenberg as the fourth quarterback on the board, with Cook still on the board, and all the other quarterbacks. 
Yeah. And that was a stunner. And the crazy part was too is after the pick, um, the general manager of the Jets came out and he talked about he didn't really like any of the other players on the board. So they just kind of took Hackenberg. <laughs> I mean, that's that's unbelievable. Like <laughs> it just it was a crazy reach. We knew Hackenberg was going to go way too high. Uh, it's just, it's, it's weird to me, his situation. A lot of player, a lot of people like to make excuses for him. Um, he played horribly over the last couple of years. So it's just, it's going to be really interesting to see. I think they've got three bad quarterbacks on the roster right now. Geno Smith, Bryce Petty, and Christian Hackenberg. So for their sake, they better hope that they can get back, uh, Mr. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. Which is saying something, because he's not especially good either. Yeah, this is what it's come to. That they need to re-sign Ryan Fitzpatrick to be relevant, you know, because if they can't get him, this is a maybe a six-win team, yeah, at best. Which is which is crazy because it's a good roster and it's a really good, well-coached team. Um, yeah, but it's just you know you can't win with bad quarterbacks like that. And then that's some of the other picks, you know, as I kind of run through. The uh, run through some of the rounds. The uh, Raven Clark, I'll just mention him quick. The uh, tight end, the tackle from Texas Tech. I know there was a little bit of talk about him. Uh, so the Colts definitely knew they wanted to upgrade the offensive line, spending two of their first three picks on offensive line. Braxton Miller goes to the Texans. Uh, and as an Ohio State fan, I'm sure you were quite pleased with the first three rounds. As what was it, ten? Buckeyes, I believe, went in the first three rounds. I think so. It was either 10 or 11. 10 or 11. Uh, yeah, I mean, great weekend for, for the Buckeyes <laughs> and Urban Meyer. And then the, the, the funny thing, too, was um, late in the third round, the Lions come on the clock and they take Graham Glasgow, the center out of Michigan, and Rich Eisen is so excited because he was like, we finally got one. It was like after 10 Buckeyes go off the board, here's the first Wolverine. Off the board, <laughs> and yeah, I mean they're going to have some more next year. You know, Jim Har- Jim Harbaugh is building some special things in Michigan, and all respect to them. Um, but yeah, I mean it just kind of highlights where their program has been out the last few years. Uh, and then we get into day four. A couple notable picks: Connor Cook goes to the Raiders at number one hundred. Oh, they actually traded up, jumped over Dallas. To get Cook, I know a lot of people were surprised at the Connor Cook pick, but if you think about it, what? Who is the backup quarterback in Oakland? Do you really feel comfortable with someone like Matt McGloin or whoever else was there? You know, at least with Connor Cook, you have a chance to develop him and let him be the backup to Derek Carr. So, at at least you give yourself a little bit of a chance at that position. Uh, then we talked about the Tyler Higby pick. Uh, Farrell Cooper, just because that name's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, then, of course, the, uh, the the best part of the draft, at least on day three, was when Willie Beavers was selected by the Vikings, and then the Bears took Dion Bush, and the guys at NFL Network lost it because of the whole Beavers and Bush thing. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that or not, but they did the whole Beavers and Bush thing, and they all just started busted out laughing. Rich Eisen even asked his producers to go to break because they were going nuts. 
<laughs> it's funny. I had actually missed that. Uh, <laughs> like we were all sitting there thinking, like, what the hell is going on? And then when we figured out that it was, you know, two guys named Beavers and Bush, we were like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's the inner child in all of us. Yeah, that's, that's what true. What the hell? That is true. You know, we, we could be immature if we want. This is sports, damn it. This is the NFL draft. <laughs> yeah, I had switched back over to um, to ESPN by that point, but that that is really funny. <laughs> Uh, let me scroll through. You know, Kenneth Dixon goes to the Ravens at 134. Then the Cowboys finally take their quarterback and Dak Prescott. Devontae Booker goes to the Broncos. Cardell Jones to the Bills. Um, I also like the Andrew Billings pick in round four. Yeah, that was really. I thought that was also good value too. Yeah, really good value. Bengals. Uh, and then a shout out to this year's Mister Irrelevant, Kalan Reed. Cornerback, Southern Miss, 253rd overall to the Titans. So, shout out to them. And oh, by the, oh, before we have, that's right, we have to talk about this too. The trade for the kicker. <laughs> that was How could I forget about unbelievable. that? Unbelievable. The Buccaneers not only selected a kicker in round two, but they traded up 15 spots to get him. Yeah. Really bizarre. Um, especially because, like, they ha- they had a good draft outside of that. It's just to move up for a kicker, and and Robert Roberto Aguayo is really a solid prospect, but I think he's like five of nine past forty yards, which is bizarre to me. Um, like that's great that he's amazing inside forty yards, but I mean that's that should be concerning that he's not like almost perfect past 40 to 50 yards. So, mm-hmm. um, And then to move up for the kick, that's the thing. To take him in the second round is fine. Honestly, I have no problem with that. But to move up for him, that was a, a, such a strange decision for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I even messaged you on Twitter. I was like, can we just talk about the Buccaneers? Can we just laugh at the Buccaneers for the entire podcast? <laughs> I mean, if it pans out for them, good. Yeah, but. and I hate to do that because you know they had a good draft. Like yeah. Noah Spence was a heck of a pickup in the second round. Yep. Um, Vernon Hargraves is going to play for them right away. Uh, Aguayo's going to help their team too. I mean, it's not like he's not needed, but he's just he's not going to be. I don't know if he's going to be that much of a difference maker though. And I, I try to look at it this way: How many times do NFL games come down to a final field goal? Yeah. And now, with the extra points permanently being 33 yards, it was just like a kind of temporary rule, like a test out sort of last year. Now it's permanent. So now they're looking for kickers. You know. It's going to be rough for him, though. Like, if he ever misses kicks, because you know what the, the first thing the fans are going to say is that, oh, when we moved up for this guy, too. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of pressure now because he was a second round pick. It's not like this kid was like an undrafted or even a seventh round pick. This was a second round pick. Yeah. And that, that they moved up for. That they moved up. 50, let me just double check what number. It was 59. 59. So this was a top... It's not even like this... We're not even talking like top 100. This was top 60. Yep. You know, that's big time. So. Uh, but overall, let, we'll kind of wrap things up. I talk about some of the teams. Uh, again, we talked about the Jaguars and how excellent their draft was. I thought, despite the surprise of Eli Apple in the first round, who 
you know, maybe living in New York, he can learn how to cook. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I thought the Giants had a nice couple picks afterwards. I like the Sterling Shepard pick in the second. I like uh, Darian Thompson in the third. So I thought the Giants did well. Um, Oakland was Oakland was interesting. You know, uh, the Vikings. I like their top two picks. Again, you know, Treadwell to finally help out Bridgewater. I think, and you know, again, I mentioned Alexander getting to work with Mike Zimmer. Uh, Indy talked about how they tried to build up their uh, build up their offensive line. And Ohio State. <laughs> shout out. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but shout out to Ohio State for however. I mean, I, di- I didn't get the actual number of players that were drafted, but boy, what what a what a weekend they had for sure. Yeah, they're they're the real winners. <laughs> but I mean, I, I do think that it was either a hate it or love it type of draft for me. Um, instant reaction type of feel. Um, I, I don't necessarily disagree that you can't grade a draft after it. I just think that the proper context is needed to do so. Right. Um, you know, if you evaluate prospects and you have a good idea of the team needs and the team schemes and kind of where the players fit into that, then, you know, that makes you qualified then to be able to judge kind of what this draft looks like at this time. Now, you're always able to go back and revisit and say, okay, you know, now that I have more information this looks like a different way and that's going to happen. Um, but you know, for the most part, I liked a good amount of drafts. Some of these drafts, I just didn't, I just didn't understand. Um, and a couple of the drafts I really liked as long as you went back and said, okay, forget where they took Christian Hackenberg, you know, just specifically, they had a great draft. If you just made a list of all the players that they took and forget where they were taken. Um, and that's hard to do sometimes, and I understand that, but I think that is kind of important when you have a strong draft class that, yeah, they might have overpaid for that player, but then they got X, Y, and Z players at a really good value. So, right. you know, look at the full class and say, okay, you know, overall, yeah, Hackenberg might not be good, but if he does work out, well, then all of a sudden that good class becomes a home run. Um, and there's nothing wrong with hitting a double or a triple in the home in the, in the draft. If you can if you can get three or four contributors over the next three or four, three to five years, then you've had a great draft. Yeah, like Jordan Jenkins in the third, like, and even Mike Mayock yeah. mentioned this. You know, all all the focus was on Leonard Floyd, but I know there are people there are a lot of people that like Jenkins. You know who? You know, I'll, I'll, I'm even looking at the you know team by team picks and. I'll read what Mike Mayock said. Leonard Floyd got all of the attention, but this kid did all the dirty jobs, talking about Jordan Jenkins. So, um, and I'll quickly, you know, for all my Eagles fans out there, I'll give a bit of a take on their draft. I, I can't say I've really watched all these players tell one name I can't even pronounce. Um... But in talking to some people, their third-round pick of Isaac Siumalu is really good. He's a guy that can step in the guard and, you know, yeah, help add to that depth. <laughs> You're talking about the TCU tackle? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, how uh, 
Puli Vati Vaitai. It's a good good yeah, effort. <laughs> good yeah, good job, good effort. Big V. Okay, they're pick analysis. They call him Big V. I'm gonna call him Big V. I'm not even gonna a a go <laughs> offensive tackle from TC of six six three twenty. Um, so certainly you can tell that they uh, they wanted to address the offensive line a little bit, taking two of those. Um, Jalen Mills, they get in the seventh round, and I knew he was a guy some people were talking about as a really good player. But um, I guess off-field issues caused him to fall all the way down to the seventh. Alex McAllister seems like another kid who... Uh, has some talent that they picked up in the seven. So overall, not a terrible draft. You know, not not flashy names. You know, picking up a guy like Wendell Smallwood in the fifth. But I mean, maybe they had interest in him, but maybe it also helped the fact that uh, you know two of the top running backs in the class went about five or six picks ahead of them in Paul Perkins and Jordan Howard. But like I said, overall, not a not a bad draft class. We'll see how it plays out. So, should be fun. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I did like the Eagles draft as far as I'm, although I'm not a big Wentz fan. You know, he's going to be the one that uh, determines what the outlook of this class will be. But I do like that they're reinvesting at the offensive line position. Um, that's that's paramount that that happened. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see how those kids work out. You know, young linemen rarely have huge success, um, but to, to continue to bolster talent, add some depth, maybe even add a potential starter, that's huge. And, um, you know, they're, they're making an effort to try to be great, and I can appreciate that. Even if I may not like Carson Wentz that much as a prospect, um, I at least appreciate trying to go big and trying to get your guy. Absolutely. Uh, so with that, I think that'll wrap things up. I think it was some good talk there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it was a fun draft. It was very unpredictable, which makes it a lot of fun um, in terms of as a fan, as a spectator, um, as an analyst. It was a lot of fun to watch, and I think that there were some great values found on day three and some big-time reaches in round one, and so that's going to make it a lot of fun to kind of see if that bears out true on the field. Absolutely. Uh, so with that, I think we'll wrap things up. Any final thoughts, Ian? I don't think so. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, to be determined on uh, you know what the summer will bring. But um, you know, we're kind of in that NFL offseason mode now, mm-hmm. where uh, not much news is going to come out between now and training camp. If everything goes according to plan, which Hey, it's the NFL. They're able to keep a year-round information stream, it seems, and um, so maybe that won't go according to what we're planning on. But uh, no, it's been a fun season. Um, this really kind of wraps up the 2016 or 2015 season, um, mm-hmm. as now it's all about 2016 and beyond. Yep, full speed ahead. Uh, so with that, I want to thank you guys as always for listening, and thank Ian as always for joining me and having some great convos and remember hit us up on Twitter. He's at NFL film study. I'm at bill underscore Rossetti and shout out to a couple of my local friends, Nick Patron and Mark Scarcella, a couple local buddies of mine 
getting back into the podcast business, go check out their podcast, The Sports Grind with Nick and Mark. So uh, good luck to you two guys. Shout out. Uh, And with that, thanks for listening to GG, and we'll see you next time. Take care, my friends. Thanks.